chapter 3. We're also going to be in chapter 5, but Judges in chapter 3, and we're going to read another verse out of chapter 5. Judges chapter 3. Remember, we just got done with uh, Lefty, Stab, and Hefty, okay? So many lovely jokes after that one, so... Is everybody? Okay, I got a few smiles out there. So Judges chapter 3, go down to verse 31. Verse 31. And after him, that's after Ehud, after him was Shamgar, the son of Anath, which slew of the Philistines 600 men with an ox goad. And he also delivered Israel. Now, if we go over to chapter 5, chapter 5 is the story of, or the song of Deborah and Barak, mostly Deborah. Deborah's kind of the, the, somewhat of the spiritual leader here, after their victory, okay, over the Canaanites. And if you'll go down to verse 6, so chapter 5, verse 6. So again, this is a poetry, we're reading a song, okay, so I want you to understand that. But listen to what she says about the days of Shamgar. In the days of Shamgar, chapter 5, verse 6, the son of Anath, in the days of Jael, now we'll talk about her probably next week, so it's saying that they're the same days, the highways were unoccupied and the travelers walked through byways. Okay, The inhabitants of the villages ceased. They ceased in Israel. Of course, then it goes on to until that I, Deborah, arose. So... We know a little something about the days around which Shamgar delivered Israel, and we'll talk a little bit more about some of this as well. So an unlikely hero, an unlikely hero uh, in Shamgar. Let's, let's pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you for the story of Shamgar, and Lord, we thank you that there is not one verse in the Bible that is not without meaning and purpose. Lord, though it may take us a while to see it or find it, or we need to study to discover it, we thank you, Lord, for the story of even the strangers like Shamgar. And we ask that you'd bless and work tonight. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Kind of interesting, uh, at least in one of the stories, is it never really calls Shamgar a judge. It never says he judged Israel, but he certainly says he was a deliverer of Israel. And there's a lot we don't know about Shamgar. Um, First of all, the name is not Israeli. Um, the son of Anath, that's not Israeli. Uh, where he, where he uh, fought the Philistines is unknown. Oh, there's a lot of people claim just without question where they know where, and we don't. We don't know where. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's interesting because the Philistines are always, if you know this, but the Philistines almost always came from the south. The Philistines were on the, they're on the, the Mediterranean Sea border there on the southern side of Israel. So if you, if you picture Israel, remember you got that, that shape kind of comes down like this. You got Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea. The Philistines are usually right along the border over here, okay? Right along the, the Mediterranean Sea on this side, okay? 
Deborah and Balak are way up by the Sea of Galilee over here. Now, a lot of people believe that because it says, it uses the word Anath, that that means he was from the town Bethanath. Um, maybe, but nobody's for sure. Nobody's for sure in this instance. It's one of those things, that, and if he was from Bethanath, it put him way back up where, by Deborah and Barak, but the Philistines come from the south. So why did the Philistines come from the north? I mean, did they make some weird invasion? Who knows? Now, here's the, th- here's the deal, though. This is the first time that the nation of Israel is facing the Philistines as a, as a, as a combatant, okay? as, as, a, uh, as an enemy. And the Philistines were very warlike, if you remember. They're very uh, Goliath of Gath. He was considered with that crew, okay? that, and they were very much warlike people, uh, very much an attacking, expanding people. So there's a lot in this thing. Matter of fact, there's a lot left of the imagination. Okay, I mean, just so number one, let's just start with just just start with his name, Shamgar, not Israeli. It's not Israeli at all. As a matter of fact, it's from a, a people I've never even heard of before, called the Hirion people. The Hirion people. The name is clearly Hirion. Okay. Now the Hirion people made up for some of you historians. The Hirion people made up a large portion of what we historically call the Hittites, okay? So if you're familiar with the Hittites, you probably, almost probably all of us studied that in high school, probably public, Christian, whatever, because they're the ones who got into the Bronze Age, okay? Some of that stuff, so Hittites. Um, but, so if you picture this, he's, he's a guy that has come from somewhere like Iran, Iraq, or Syria, modern-day Iran, Iraq, or Syria, that's where those people came from, the Hirion people. So Shamgar, number one, he's not Israeli. Okay? He's not an Israelite. Uh, and that's just further pushed on by the whole deal of his last name, or this, the, the, his, the son of Anath. Well, now, he could have been a son of a guy named Anath. Okay? Or, like they say, he could come, often what it means, the son of Anath, it means that he's a son of a town. Okay, like we would even say, uh, like uh, uh, Russians will call their, their country the motherland, the sons of the motherland, okay? We have, we have, have used that term even here in the States, the sons, of, you know, the, the sons of freedom and all those kind of things. So it could be that he was from a town called Anath, or, uh, this will blow you out of the water, there's a goddess named Anath. So it could be that he was a worshiper of Anath. Now let's just add another picture to that, the Egyptians had a force, had one unit of their military that they were called the Sons of Anath. Okay? So, it was a, I mean, a military group called the Sons of Anath. Now, here's the problem with that. I mean, it been all sorts of, well, that's why Shamgar did all this, because he's obviously from, yeah, except Shamgar doesn't have a sword or a shield. Uh, you, you hear what I'm saying? And he's not Egyptian. He's from Iran, Iraq, or Syria, which is well, well north of e- Egypt. So here's what we know about Shamgar. Nada. <laughs> he's not Israeli, and he's the son of Anath, whatever that means, okay? But, I mean, it's, it would be like us saying Tim Knutson. It's as close to a surname as they would have gotten then, okay? But saying Tim Knutson, even today, you do a search for Tim Knutson. I know there's an artist named Tim Knutson, a pretty famous artist. There's a... There's a realtor named Tim Knutson. There's a hot rodder named Tim Knutson. There's a soccer player named Tim Knutson. I mean, it's, so, I mean, yeah. It's some guy named Shamgar, the son of Anath. Not an Israeli. Now, this is kind of interesting. As near as we can tell, 
him, and it's interesting that Deborah would put Shamgar and Jael together because Jael is also not an Israelite. She's a Canaanite, okay? Really kind of interesting. So here's two deliverers of Israel who aren't Israeli. They're totally, I mean, why would God pick someone not Israeli? That just, it doesn't make any sense. This is, I mean, this guy is like not likely. This is the wrong guy. Why would he use him? Well, I don't know, but God used him. He used him of the Lord. Now, here's, here's an interesting thought. Did, did Shamgar know he was being used of God to protect Israel? I don't know. We don't know if we know that. He may not. He might just be doing, he got sick of the Philistines, got attacked, and maybe not. I don't know. I mean, I would like to think so, but anyways, we don't know. We, all, we only know that he killed 600 men with an ox goad. Here's another one to throw at you. It doesn't say he killed them all at once. Now, that would be the likely way to look at it. I mean, that would be the obvious way to look at it, but it doesn't say he killed all 600 of them all at once. Maybe he killed a, a unit at a time, a, a battalion at a time. I don't know a battalion. That would be probably 600 at least. But, and maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. We don't know. It would seem to me that would, that would be likely that that's how that worked, but it doesn't say that either. So like some of them, we have a story where it has, you know, like a guy in the, the, the field of beans, the field of lentils, and it says he, he defended that field of lentils till his hand clung to the sword. We have very clear visual picture that he stood on that hill of beans until everybody was dead around him and he's the only one left alive. We don't even have that here. We just know he killed 600 Philistines with an ox goat. I mean, you know... It's kind of hard to picture a farmer sneaking around like a ninja through the Philistine camp, you know, sticks, sticks, you know, showing up. I don't know. I picture this as kind of a, a one-time thing. Now, there's some outside histories, and there's the only story outside history that we have is from, uh, oh, for heaven's sakes, I just went, I just went totally brain dead, uh, Josephus, the historian, and he says that Shamgar died the same year as he delivered Israel. Don't know. Now, here's what we do know again. He's after Ehud, and apparently he's either right before Deborah and Barak, or maybe he's at the same time as Deborah and Barak. So Deborah and Barak, that's up to the north, okay? That's up by the Sea of Galilee, the Jabin that we're going to look at, this king of Hazor that's all up north. And if the Philistines are coming from the south, it could be a southern incursion at the same time. We don't know all these things. Just don't know. Here's, so here's what we do know. Number one, again, he's an unlikely hero. He's not Israeli. Okay, he's not Israeli, and probably he's a farmer. Probably he's a farmer. Well, now why would that be? Because he's carrying a tool that is a farmer tool. He's carrying an ox goat. So he's carrying a farmer's tool, okay, and I mean, he's out there and he's not Israeli. So there's, there's two things we can kind of pick on. Now, number two, he had an, so he's an unlikely hero and he used an unlikely weapon. Now, it's not to say that you can't use an ox goat as a weapon, okay? Uh, it would be formidable, but it's not one that's it's not designed for military use, okay? Military use uh, weapons have a razor edge on them, a razor edge. They're designed to cut and slash and leave lots of damage behind. An ox goad uh, can be, typically, we're talking about a, a pretty good-sized stick that's about eight feet long. Okay, eight feet, I want you to picture that, and eight feet long. That's just two feet shy of a basketball goal. So eight feet long, on one end will be a metal poker. Not, not sharp, it's just a poker that they can poke the oxen with from a distance 
from behind the plow, not get kicked, and keep the plow moving. Okay? So on one end, it's going to have a metal poker that gets the oxen attention, like, keep going, this isn't time to stop, keep moving, keep going. So there's a metal poker on one end. And like any good farmer, he's not wanting to damage his oxen, so it's not sharp. It's just, you know, gets their attention. So it's a poker. On the other end of an ox goad is typically would be a, what would, a scraper. It can be wood, it can be metal, it doesn't have to be uh, metal. And all they do with that is just a flat piece that when the plow kind of gets clogged up, they'll use that to clean off the clay or the stuff that's got into the plow and clean it off so they can dig down in the dirt again. It's a farmer's tool. This is not a weapon. It's not a, again, anything can be a weapon. I mean, for heaven's sakes, you know, one of these, one of these things right here can be a weapon if I want to pick it up enough. And the ox goad maybe look a little bit more like that, but it's still, it's not the weapon of a soldier. Okay? So, it's an unlikely hero and an unlikely weapon. And now picture this. It also gives us a little picture of the time is uh, it's really unusual for any Israelite to have a sword right now. Kind of interesting there too. But anyways, so now it's also an unlikely time. Why is that? What, is, what do you think he's out there doing with his ox goad? Just hanging around, walking around town, walking around his property with an ox goad? No, he's... The only reason I'd carry anything that long is because I got oxen to work with. Which means what? He's farming. He's doing his job. He's doing, he's doing his business to take care of his family, maybe sell some and help some other people as well. Who knows? But he's trying to farm. He's got his own life to work with. And the Philistines show up and mess up his job. Now, I want you to picture this. How long is it going to take? Let's say it just all happened at once. How long is it going to take one guy to kill 600 people? I just want you to think about that a little bit. This wasn't the work of a minute or two, okay? This happened a while. Matter of fact, just, uh, I, I dare any of you to, to just think about taking one on three and make those other three, you've got inferior tools and they've all got swords and shields. One on three, how long do you think that's going to take? I'm just, just put it out there, okay? He's trying to farm. This is not a good time for battle. I've got farming to do. Any farmer will tell you most of what you have to do, you've got to do it now. And now's the time because tomorrow's going to be something else and I got, it's got to be taken care of. Now, I'll rest later, but farming, I've got to do it right now. This is the time. So I'm just thinking, if I'm a farmer and I see a big group of soldiers coming up and I've got to get my field plowed, keep my nose down and just keep the oxen going. Hi, guys. <laughs> This is an unlikely time, okay? So, he's here. Evidently, he was at the right moment. He was the wrong man at the right time at the right moment and just had to do what he did. But anyways, and it's an unlikely deliverance. I, I mean, again, let's put this whole... This is, this is a messed up story. One guy with a farmer's tool and he wipes out 600 warriors. But near as we can tell. I mean, the, the Philistines are not... They're always known for being warlike. Okay, I don't think he went into a town and killed a bunch of... I don't think it would have in here if he just went into a town and killed a bunch of kids and women. I think the idea is he's delivering them from oppression. Oppression would be swords, okay? Warriors coming in to attack. And so here he is. It's an unlikely deliverance. God, uh, God provides a deliverance. I, I mean, again, whether he killed them all over a whole, just uh, one moment, a couple of days... Uh, uh, a year or two, I don't know. But he killed them all, and he stopped, he, stopped them from, he stopped them from attacking. So the story stands. The story stands. 
He's the wrong person with the wrong training, with the wrong tools, at the wrong time, and he delivered Israel. What is he armed with? Mostly <laughs> grit. <laughs> I can't think of anything else. Grit and determination and thank the Lord. Uh, I, I sincerely believe the, the work of God was behind him. Now whether or not Shamgar knew that or not, following maybe he might have able to figure that out, but I'm not sure. Great, so there's the story. I answered a whole lot of questions, didn't I? <laughs> no, I just gave you a whole bunch more to think about. But it is interesting, isn't it? I mean, this guy's not even an Israelite. Why is he, why, I mean, it's another one of those, I know, y'all are going to laugh at me. It's another one of those things like, Lord, can I get the Shamgar DVD? Or is that on Blu-ray? I want to watch that one. I want to see how that worked. That would just be, that just interests me. So, what are the lessons here? What are the lessons here? Again, it's the wrong guy at the wrong time with the wrong tools, essentially what sounds like the wrong training, but he was the one he was the one present when the problem showed up. Okay? He was the one present when the problem showed up. So it's him or people die. It's him or Israel faces oppression. Now, there's a lot of ideas now running through my head, and there should be some through yours right now. And we've even talked about some of this again recently. Now, here's the deal. You, every, sometimes we often think that God is looking for just the right person. No. He's looking for the willing person. Oh, no, but God must be looking for the talented people. No. God is looking for the willing people. Well, God's probably looking for people with better tools, people who talk better or maybe better gifted for this, or, you know, people maybe who have some extra training, like, you know, uh, I mean, you're like, Pastor, he's got a whole office full of books back there. Surely you'd want him to do all that kind of stuff. Surely he's got, well, no. Not. Well, I don't have the right tools. Well, neither did Shamgar. Well, I just don't really have the talent for this. Well, evidently, Shamgar's a, Shamgar's a farmer, not a soldier. Well, I'm just not sure about this. You think Shamgar was sure about this? You think Shamgar said, Woohoo, let's go kill them all! <laughs> like, oh. Somebody's going to have to do something. You ever heard that before? Somebody's got to do something about that. Sure, wish somebody do something about that. How come somebody's not do something about that? Do you remember Brother Cooper being here just, what, what, five, a month ago or so, a month and a half ago? He says, I've been, he said, I've been praying about church planting. Want to get, man, we got to get church planting. I need to get our church more into church planting. Man, I wish we could get into church planting. I wish I could get people into church planting. And God's like, well, I, I am trying to get people into church planning. Who's the, one, who's the one you think I've been talking to? Brother Cooper having to say, oh, me. <laughs> oh, uh, okay. Well, I can't be the right person for that. I can't be the right person for that. Uh, let me ask you a question. How many stories are there about people who had to face a battle that they, they, weren't ed, they weren't educated for, they weren't trained for, they didn't have the right tools for? I mean, how many stories can we, and we go into history and there's, there's hundreds. There's hundreds and hundreds. And I, I mean, I could run up a few, I, I'm not even at the moment. I just think about it. Well, 
you know, we got this place over here set for an orchestra. Sure, would somebody do that? Well, I'm not the right person. I don't have the right tools. Really? You hear what I'm saying? I tell you, I'm, I am, and if you all get the big heads, I know where the pins are, but um, Miss Donna and Miss Hannah, we had Nathan and, Nathan and Autumn both leave. Fabulous piano players. And we all could have said, well, I wonder who's going to take, take, their, take their place. They said, well, not really at their level, but somebody's got to do it. Amen. Amen. Well, it's people need, that needs to be more experience. You know, I, I, I'm serious. I, I, this, this is going to sound maybe bad, but you know what you need to do? You need to be, invite people to church. But I'm telling you, half the time when we invite people to church, it's a cop-out for not us giving the gospel when we know we should at that moment. Well, somebody who's better talented, the preacher can do it. No, you're the one facing that battle at that moment. Be a witness. Don't use the cop-out. Well, why don't you come to church on Sunday? Did you hear what I'm saying? Do we want them to come to church on Sunday? Yes, but I'm telling you, a lot of believers use that as a cop-out because they don't want to address the fact that they are responsible for giving the gospel out themselves. Do it yourself. I tell you, you bring a saved person to church, it makes a whole lot of difference to them. Amen. Surely someone else can do it. Surely someone else would be better trained. Surely someone else would have more talent. There's a story about Michelangelo, the guy who trained Michelangelo, and I, I, I want to say his name was Giovanni. Um, I'm not sure if I got that right, but I think it was Bertaldo Giovanni was his name, I believe. And uh, he was training Michelangelo, who when he came in as a young teen, obviously had unbelievable amount of talent. And he said that this Giovanni walked in one day to, to the, the, the sculpting room where he was training Michelangelo, and he saw Michelangelo playing around with a sculpture that was way beneath him, way too easy. And he pulled out a hammer, and he went over, and he smashed the sculpture, and he looked at Michelangelo, and the, the way they said it was, he said it either hollering or very heated. He said, something along the line of, talent is not enough. Talent is a waste of time. It's diligence that makes you great. Diligence. You know, we, there's some things that we're all talented at. Well, I can whip this together real fast. That's great. You know what God's looking for? He's not looking for the talented people. He's looking for the people who see that there's a problem in front of them and who are willing to tackle it, knowing they probably don't have the tools, but there is a God who can provide deliverance. Amen. Stop waiting around for someone else to do the job. Stop waiting around for someone else who can come along who might be a little better at it. Just keep at it yourself. Tackle it out. Maybe while you're doing, maybe while you're tackling the problem, someone more gifted will come along, or maybe God will tackle you with more power than you expected to have. God will use, listen, God will use anyone who is willing to just go. Just go. There's missionary story after missionary story after missionary story. I've I've used those illustrations here multiple times about the the girl who was convinced she was supposed to go to a certain tribe where she had somebody that she knew they, they were killed there. And she just was convinced, that's where I need to go. I need to go there. And everyone telling her, you shouldn't do it. She says, but somebody's got to go and nobody else is willing and I'm willing, so drop me off. And her dad in tears, all the way, all the way to dropping her off at a helicopter by a rope to drop her down near that place in tears trying to get her to stop. And she says, no, I'm convinced. It's what I'm supposed to do. 
nobody else is willing to do it. I don't know if I got it, but I'm willing to do it. And she goes in and she comes out like a year later with most of the tribe following her up because they'd gotten saved. Because she was willing to do it. I mean, there's story after story about that. We can keep right on going. This, there's, a, there's a story I read uh, just today, looking for illustrations on this, trying to find something else, another angle. This guy, exec, driving along in his brand new Jaguar, speeding along the road, and all of a sudden a brick hits the side of his car. I mean, whammo! I mean, puts a dent in his car. And, of course, he's mad. He pulls over, flies out of the car, finds this kid looking at him, and he runs up, grabs the kid. What are you doing? He's hollering around. What are you doing throwing bricks at the car? And the kid, once he calmed down a little bit, this little boy, he finds out he's got tears in his eyes, and he said, listen, my brother is handicapped, and he fell on his wheelchair, and he's injured, and I can't get anybody to help me, and it's the only thing I could do. It was his job. Somebody had to do it. Well, I don't know what to do. All I got's a brick and cars. Well, he shouldn't have done it that way. Find any other better way? You hear what I'm saying? The salesman refused to fix his car because it was a lesson to him that when you need something done, you go and do it. I mean, he's one over there, he's almost in tears, picking up this, the handicapped boy, putting him back in, wiping the blood off his face and watching these two little boys roll off because nobody else would help and somebody had to get his attention. And because one kid was willing to do what it took to get attention, it made an exec, exec do what was needed Amen. I, you know, sometimes it just, we just need somebody who will do what's needed. I think of Colonel Chamberlain at the, at the top of Little Round Top, the Battle of Little Round Top. Uh, well, it's the Battle of Gettysburg, but it, inside the Battle of Gettysburg was this battle happening off, and it's, it's, it's what turned the tide of the war of Little Round Top. Colonel Chamberlain up there, and his, his whole unit is completely out of ammo, and the enemy's down there, and they've got tons of ammo, and he, and he gets the order to charge, and he's looking at, we... Us, this is the wrong time. We ain't got no ammo. We're the wrong people. We ain't got no ammo. Certainly there's somebody else out here who's got more ammo. And instead he said, okay, well, guys, fix bayonets. <laughs> and down they, went, down they went with fixed bayonets and turned the tide of the battle because they had a job to do and there was no one else to do it. And they did it. And the, t- the tide of the Battle of Gettysburg, which was an awful long, many, many people died, was finally turned and started towards the end of the battle. I mean, what if he said no? I'm sorry, I can't do that. What if if Donna and Hannah had said no? No, I'm sorry, I can't do that. What if the Secret Service agent who saved Ronald Reagan's life decided, eh, I don't know if I want to get shocked today. What if the person who knocked on your door who led you to the Lord said, certainly there's somebody who's better trained for this. Come on. Certainly there's somebody else who could do it better. You know what? Let me ask you a question. Do you have friends and neighbors who need the gospel? Answer. Do you have friends and neighbors who need the gospel? Who are you waiting on? Who are you waiting on? The battle is in front of us. There's, there's no, there's no uh, SEAL Team 6 for Christians that's going to come in and save the day. Matter of fact, I don't know, Shamgar killing 600 people in Oxgode, that sounds an awful lot like SEAL Team 6 stuff to me because he was willing to take the battle that he had in front of him. Amen. 
well, certainly there's got to be somebody else that can do this. Certainly somebody else is better trained for this. Certainly somebody else has a better, you know, what I hear this one too. Well, you know, I'd like to be involved with maybe teaching this class or that class, but I'm just not really, haven't really been that great of a person. I'm probably not the best person to do that. Really? Like there's some perfect person out there to do all this stuff? No. You know who the perfect person is? It's the one who's got the battle in front of them and is willing to pick up whatever tool God gives them and go after it. Well, it's not the right tool. Any tool is the right tool when God's on your side. (laughs) Any tool is the right tool when God's on your side. Any talent, no talent, uh, opposite of talent, will succeed if you've got the battle in front of you and the only way to do it is just go after it. Grit. I'm telling you, grit and determination. So there's a, there's a, I'm going to leave you with this. Believe it or not, we're done. There's a, there is a, uh, what do you call it? It's an ultra marathon. It's beyond that. So down in Colorado, they have a race called the Leadville 100. It's a hundred mile long run. And it's through the mountains. It's through, if I understand it right, it's, it's got uh, some mountain trails. There's some roads that you run on. There's like middle of nowhere. There's lots of heights. I'm assuming they still run it. I don't know. Um, Leadville 100. And what's funny, you know who doesn't finish? Talented runners. People who've done all sorts of other stuff. Marathon winners. It's, and typically, the people who do win are, funny enough, older people like 50 plus why because they're just not going to quit they just won't quit they've got it in their head I'm going to finish I'm going to finish it hurts I'm going to finish I'm talking about they trip all the time people people have you ever heard of it Miss Lynn have you ever the Leadville 100 so I've heard stories of people getting their foot caught and like running with sprained ankles, they get their foot caught in a root on the trail. Trip, hit, injure themselves, and keep running. Not because of their talented, talented runners, but because they have in their head, I'm just not going to quit. I've got, the next, I've got the next step. I'm going to run the next step. I've got the next step. I'm going to run the next step. It's grit and determination. Amen. Grit and determination will carry you farther than any amount of talent ever will. Amen. Grit and determination will carry you further than any amount of talent ever will. What battle you have in front of you? Why are you waiting on someone else to fight it? What opportunity is there for you to help the cause of Christ? Why are you waiting on someone else to take that opportunity? Step up. Face the battle. Maybe you're the next Shamgar, the unlikely hero with an unlikely weapon at the wrong time. Amen. God can use people who just be who are willing who will, who are willing to be used. Amen. Let's stand. Let's stand. Father, Lord, I think it's true of all of us that we underrate ourselves. We It's common to the human condition to think that certainly there must be someone better. There must be someone with the right gifts, someone who has the wisdom that we don't, someone who has the background that we don't, someone who has time that we don't. 
But Lord, the battles and the jobs that need to be done are in front of us. Whether it be witnessing to a friend, helping out with a Sunday school class, tackling a new ministry, talking to a fellow Christian who's going through a hard time. Lord, help us to stop waiting for someone else to come and do the jobs and the battles that need to be fought. Help us to realize that we are the soldiers on the ground here at this moment, at this time, and we're here because God has put us here. And we need to stop waiting for the special agents to come along and save the day and realize that we just need to put our shoulder to the grindstone and trust God that he will provide deliverance. Well, and I do thank you for those here who are doing that even now. And Lord, we, I pray that you'd give us more, more Shamgars who with the wrong tool, the wrong talent, the wrong training at the wrong time will still be willing to step forward and take part in the battle. And Lord, we thank you for your work in this and for your, for your word. We'd ask that you'd work in the hearts of your people in Jesus' name. Amen.